Okay, well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday sit this morning. Um, I think as many of you know, I'm Lyndall Johnson, one of the Sims Local Dharma Leaders, and I'm going to be leading our meditation and giving the Dharma talk this morning. Um, July, August, and September, we're doing a series on the three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion. Last month, we talked about greed, so this month, we're shifting our focus to hatred. And so I'm going to begin our investigation of hatred this week with kind of an introduction and overview to this topic. And it's kind of nice to be the first one because I get to say a little bit about everything and I don't have to worry too much about what someone else might be going to say or find a special angle. So I'm kind of happy to be doing that first one. And I'm finding too that, you know, as after spending a month working on greed, then shifting over to this poison of hatred or aversion is is kind of interesting because on the one hand, hatred and aversion just feel really, really different from wanting and greed. It's really different experience in the mind and in the body. And yet, you know, we know sort of like when we're feeling wanting, it actually can feel kind of pleasant if we're mostly caught up in anticipating what we hope we're going to get or fantasizing about how great it will be when we do whatever it is we're wanting. You know, if we're not in the place of not being able to get what we want, it can be pretty pleasant. But on the other hand, hatred and aversion well, they're just not pleasant. <laughs> I mean, they just aren't. Sometimes they might be energizing or make us feel powerful, but not really pleasant. Not really. So the feelings of these two poisons are really different. And yet in other ways, they're not all that different from each other. In a way, it's like Greed and hatred are like two sides of the same coin. Both of them are about wanting. Except in the case of greed, we're wanting to get something or keep something. Whereas in the case of hatred, we're wanting to get rid of something. And just like Greed, the poison of hatred, is also on a continuum and includes a whole range of feelings from the really mild feelings of dislike and resistance to really strong anger and hatred. And there are different poly words too. I looked these up for greed and so I had to look, you know, for hatred. There are different poly words for the different levels of hatred too. What we would call hatred in English would probably be translated as dosa, hatred, anger, and rage. So these are strong feelings of dislike. And then there's another word, um, patiga. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these right, but patiga for a milder form of not liking. And this is something more like resistance or annoyance or friction towards whatever is arising. 
and with these different levels of aversion there's also a sense of how far we're willing to go to get rid of the unpleasant thing that we feel shouldn't be there or shouldn't be happening you know if it's that kind of mild form of dislike our reaction might not go much farther than some you know mental grumbling and grudging and grumpiness but if the hatred is really strong well we know that anger and hatred to, can take us to some really really destructive destructive places and i think it's pretty clear to all of us that really extreme levels of hatred are very harmful and dangerous and poisonous poisonous to us poisonous to other people too but we know that the mild forms they have their own pain too and I think it's unrealistic to expect that we'd be completely free of any kind of aversion. We're always going to come against things that are unpleasant. And for most of us, when something unpleasant happens, there's bound to be feelings of, I don't like this, or I don't want this. It almost comes up as soon as we notice something is unpleasant, or feelings of resistance towards that thing. But this might not be very strong, it might not be something that translates into action, but I think we know that even this really kind of vague annoyance and dis dissatisfaction is painful. It isn't a place where we feel contented or at peace. So one way we can get a more complete picture of greed is to think about the aversive personality type or mindset. And as you might remember from last month in the Buddhist commentaries, they talk about these personality types based on the three poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion. And since we all have plenty of all three of these tendencies, I kind of feel that maybe rather than thinking of them as types that we can identify with, it might be more helpful to think of them as like sort of mindsets that we can all fall into if the circumstances are right. So we all have some of all of this <laughs> and we can benefit by hearing about all of them. So this aversive mindset, it's not so much a matter of being angry all the time but it's more like a tendency to focus on what's wrong. So it's a frame of mind, kind of like a, a person that they walk into a room and the first thing they notice are the dust bunnies under the couch or the, um, you know, paper laying on the floor, something like that rather than noticing the beautiful painting that's hanging on the wall or the bouquet of flowers on the table, they notice what's out of place or what isn't right. So that's kind of the focus of this aversive mindset. And it's a mindset that tends to be critical, quick to point out flaws, but having maybe more trouble recognizing the beautiful things and the virtues. So when we think about hatred, we should also think about these kinds of tendencies too. Not just anger, but 
a tendency towards criticism or fault finding or a general discontentedness with whatever is going on around us and a lack of appreciation for what's beautiful and good. And sometimes this kind of criticism is directed outward and when that happens, being in this kind of mindset, it might be a way of defending ourselves against seeing our own flaws. You know, if we're looking out there and seeing what's wrong with everybody else, it's like, well, you know, they have all these problems. Maybe I'm not so bad, you know. That's kind of the mindset that might occur. But we know, too, that this critical mindset isn't always directed outward. In fact, Probably a lot of the time it's directed inward. So even if we aren't all that critical of our surroundings or all that critical of other people, we can be really critical of ourselves. And we can be so busy hating and criticizing ourselves for our faults and our flaws that we really don't recognize the times when good qualities arise in us. And we're so busy worrying about what we don't have, we don't appreciate what we do have. So this is another aspect of aversion that we need to be aware of too, in addition to just this sense of, oh, I'm angry about something. And greed is, uh, hatred is similar to greed too, in that in it's really related to the teachings on dependent origination, which I know some of you have studied at SIM, some of you might be not be too so familiar with. But I'll kind of give the linkage a little bit. So in these teachings, we start at this stage of the feeling tone of Vedana, uh, the feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And here we're thinking about unpleasant. So let's say we come in contact with some experience or some object we feel is unpleasant. And at this point, we can just recognize this experience as unpleasant, be with it the best as we can, with some equanimity, maybe with some compassion for ourselves because we're feeling uncomfortable. And if there's a good way to, you know, alleviate some of the pain, maybe taking that action. So we can do this, you know, we can be with it in a way that's really wise, or we can get caught in reactivity. You know, if we're just with it, noticing the unpleasant and not reacting so much, we don't really get caught up in any kind of cycle. It's just, this is the way it is, but we can get caught up in reactivity. We can cling to our feelings of anger about the fact that this unpleasant experience is even happening, maybe to the point where we lash out and harm people around us. We can become identified with the unpleasant, seeing ourselves maybe as a victim or someone that's always in pain or always angry or someone who really hates this unpleasant thing and is all caught up in a fight against it or getting revenge for it or something. So if we get caught up in this way, we really get into a sort of clinging and craving and identification and selfing that keeps this whole 
cycle of becoming and becoming and becoming and getting caught up and getting caught up going. So it's sort of like greed in that way. And it's not hard to see the suffering in these attitudes of clinging to our feelings of anger, identifying with our feelings of anger. It's really suffering. And that's one thing about hatred. And in, in a way, it's a kind of a helpful thing. It's not hard to see the dukkha here when we're caught up in aversion and hatred. It can be a lot easier than when we're dealing with greed because with greed, it's really easy to just get so carried away with the fantasy that we don't even notice the restlessness or the unsatisfied feelings. But with, but with hatred and aversion, we kind of know we're not, we're not happy. We're not liking this. But even though we see the dukkha, there's still delusion with hatred too. Because while we definitely feel that it's painful, a lot of the time we're so convinced that it's the thing we hate that's at fault, that we can't really feel the unpleasantness and the destructiveness of the aversion itself. So we get kind of, get the object and the reaction so mixed together we're really kind of confused about what's happening and i think that's really true with both hatred and greed we get the object of our wanting or not wanting confused with the actual experience of feeling craving or aversion in themselves and so we don't focus on the feeling we just focus on whatever is out there but we really need to pay attention to the feeling. So just as with greed, we can see that when aversion and hatred arise, we really need to pay attention to the unpleasant experience that's causing them to arise and the way we relate to that unpleasant experience and how our reactions feel. You know, so ideally, as I would mention before, when something unpleasant arises, we would want us to stay with mindfulness of the unpleasant, recognizing that this is the way it is right now, even if it's not what we would prefer, and responding in a way that actually is wise and makes sense. And ideally, we do this without needing to blame ourselves for either having the unpleasantness or hating the unpleasantness or others for the pain. We just say, be kind of, okay, this is the way it is. But it can be really challenging, really challenging to do this and to respond with something pleasant, um, that's something that's painful or unpleasant with equanimity. It's just not easy at all. And it's not easy to relate to what's painful and unpleasant in a wise way. So I think this is important to remember that it's hard. It's hard for all of us. And it's important to remember too that in this context, there's a big difference between having an emotion like dislike or anger as compared to acting on that emotion. I mean, the arising of inversion 
it's really not that much under our control. It's a very natural response when we come in contact with something that's painful or unpleasant. It just comes up. We can't really stop it, you know. And there's nothing we can do about it. So we can't really blame ourselves for feeling anger, for feeling dislike. But maybe we can have enough awareness to do what we need to do to keep from acting out these emotions in harmful ways or getting stuck in them so we cause ourselves too much pain. So how can we do this? I think this is going to be a subject for a lot of our discussion over the next few weeks, but I'll just give a few thoughts to get us started on this topic. First, by saying that many of the strategies that we apply to greed, we can apply to hatred. First, there's really understanding the three characteristics that we studied in the cycle before. And it can really help us to work more skillfully with what's unpleasant. So if we understand the truth of dukkha, and we know that there's going to be some painful experience that all of us are going to have, that it's bound to come, that we don't necessarily need to blame somebody for it or blame ourselves for it or fix it, that it's part of life. If we know that, and we know that when we struggle and resist and rage against what's already happening, it only makes things more painful. So that helps. If we understand the truth of impermanence, we know that this painful thing isn't always going to be there. It's going to change. It's going to transform into something else. And if we understand the truth of not-self, then we know that we are not this painful experience, it doesn't define us. And maybe, well, some of the things we've done have helped to put us into the situation that's creating this pain. There are a lot of other things going on that are out of our control. So we're not our painful experiences or our hatred. So if we understand these things, then it's a lot easier to meet the unpleasant things with some equanimity with some compassion so we don't get so caught up in the destructive aspects of this hatred but it's not easy and so first and foremost we really need to bring awareness 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 you know to recognize when something unpleasant arises to notice our reactions and when dislike and anger come up, can we maybe just allow them to pass through, feel them in the body, not do anything quite yet? And then once things calm down, consider what's best to do. Can we refrain from intensifying the feelings of dislike by going over and over and over the story about how this shouldn't be happening and looking for someone to blame? That can really help, I think, to just let go of the narrative, just be with the feeling itself, wait for things to calm down a little bit, and then consider what to do. If we can do those things, 
we might find that the feeling of aversion itself is really a lot worse than that kind of mindful disturb that kind of mindful disturbance we're so upset about and maybe we really can just sort of let go but whatever we do if we don't try to not immediately react just allow ourselves to feel the feeling and let it be and let it pass through before we do much this really helps and it can help be helpful too to look for for what's fueling the anger and hatred a lot of times there's fear or insecurity or grief or disappointment and we turn to anger when we're hurt because it's easier to feel anger than to feel you know maybe the pain of being rejected or harmed by someone we care about or losing something we really love I mean the anger can make us feel like we're right like we're powerful it can make us feel energized and so in some ways it can kind of take away from other feelings that seem more painful but we need to see when we're doing that so we can understand what really lies beneath the anger and address that hurt or that fear and cultivating compassion for ourselves also is a really helpful thing whenever we're in pain so instead of bringing anger and blame trying to appreciate the fact that we're in a painful situation and turning to ourselves with compassion now too when we think about anger and aversion and hatred we need to be really careful to distinguish this these kinds of feelings from discernment of really recognizing something that isn't that is harmful or not right we don't need to be we don't want to be consumed by the poison of hatred because it can really do a lot of harm to ourselves and to others but that doesn't mean that we should ignore or dismiss what's unpleasant or feel like anything that happens is just okay you know because a lot of times things that are happening are not really okay I mean in the sense that um, it's fine that these things are going on um, and so this is sort of the place where the aversive tendency of mind really has a lot of strength it's really able to see what's wrong and to look deeply into things below the surface of things and to really be able to recognize what's unpleasant what's unskillful what's you know difficult instead of pretending that it's not there or ignoring it and so that's a good thing if we keep things in balance and this tendency of mind also is really able to see dukkha very clearly and it's really good to have these critical faculties we really need to be able to see when what's occurring is harmful or unwholesome 
And it makes perfect sense to want to avoid or to end those things. And in fact, in the teachings, we're encouraged to avoid and abandon unskillful behaviors, unskillful mind states. But we need to think about how we try to do this and our attitude of mind as we do it. Because if we act out of hatred and anger, we're likely to do more harm than good. And that goes for acting out of hatred and anger towards others who we feel are doing harmful things and acting out of hatred and anger toward ourselves when we feel that we're doing harmful and unskillful things. It's for both us and others. But if we can act with some patience and understanding, it can really make a lot of difference. I think Suze is going to talk more about this in the context of social action where it's a really important topic. So here I might just give some examples when it comes to qualities we consider bad in ourselves. So the attitude really makes a lot of difference. It's a little bit like, you know, the wholesome becoming the unwholesome, depending on our mindset. So in this case, like the wholesome desire to avoid feelings of hate and anger, for example, can become unwholesome if we get caught up in hating our faults, hating ourselves for having those faults, to the point where we're just bound up in our criticism and our bad image of ourselves. Or if we're so horrified by the thought that we might have certain faults, that we bury them and suppress them and can never see them clearly, well, that doesn't help either. You know, we can't really do anything about our shortcomings if we can't see them. So we need to really be able to work with and heal them. And we can't do that if we can't even admit that they're there. But if we can accept that those difficult emotions are there, we bring mindfulness to them, we try to understand where those feelings and behaviors are coming from, we have a lot better chance of working with them in a way that will lessen their harm. You know, if the mindfulness is there, in a lot of ways that anger and aversion isn't really the predominant thing anymore. And a lot of times our anger and resistance are part of our mind's attempt to protect us from what it sees as dangerous. And so it's good to see that and really be kind to ourselves and rather than condemning when those tendencies come up. You know, the mind might be confused in what it's trying to do, but its um, intentions may be looking after our own good, even if it's in a confused way. So maybe it's more a matter of letting the mind know that it really is safe and recognize that those strategies are based on confusion and misunderstanding than to hate ourselves and be angry at ourselves for being angry, <laughs> which doesn't really help. So that's the beginning of our exploration of hatred. A lot of things to consider. I've touched on quite a few things here and some of them might resonate, some of them not so much, and we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. 
And this brings me back to the poem I read at the beginning of our sit. Even now, decades after, I wash my face with cold water, not for discipline, nor memory, nor of icy awakening slap, but to practice choosing to make the unwanted wanted. I'm not sure if working with hatred is always a practice of choosing to make the unwanted wanted. I mean, that's such a high bar. But I certainly think it's a practice of choosing not to make an enemy of the unwanted, which is hard enough, but something I think we can aspire to, of acknowledging hatred, of seeking to understand it, and of working with it and our feelings about it in a way that's wise, kind, and compassionate. A lot of work to do. So let's sit for a minute. So thanks so much, everybody, for your attention. And now we have some time for a small group discussion. Um, I'd invite you to just share your own experiences of hatred and aversion. Maybe talk a little bit about how it shows up in your own life and practice, some of the challenges that you have in working with it. And maybe anything that came up in the talk that especially kind of spurs your interest or that you relate to. So just kind of giving an introduction to how you relate to this topic and what you're thinking about it as we begin this month of working with the poison of hatred. Hi everybody, it looks like you all have returned. Welcome back from your discussion. And now we have some time for you to share whatever you might want to share about what came up into your groups or any other comments or questions you might have about this topic. Looking forward to any of your thoughts or insights that you might have. If you want to speak, you can raise your little virtual hand in um, the reactions. That's always a good way. And it looks like we already have somebody ready to talk. Um, Bruce and Sean, one or the other of you. <laughs> is ready to go so okay. please well i am still laughing from <laughs> from the last person that shared in our group and i hope that she'll share in the big room but what i got from it was well i got a lot from it too many things to say but the one thing i got was there's the big hatred you know like Oh, I just can't stand what's happening in the world and the politics and blah, 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 blah. And then there's the, li the little ill will and hatreds, but the reaction can be just as intense. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, I just laugh because I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. So for me, I mean, I'm really, really reflecting on ill will this month um, because it's in my face. And I mean, it's always been there, but it's really in my face right now. I'm really noticing it. And I'm, I'm doing my best to catch myself to go to the body as soon as possible when I recognize it. Because that's where the that's where the pay dirt is, is in the body. Because then I find out really what's going on, what's going on. I'm usually I'm sad or I'm disappointed or I feel marginalized. Um, and I can do something about that, you know, I can I can love myself and have compassion. And um yeah, it's challenging. So that's kind of where I am. But I hope my little friend in my group will share because it's <laughs> really great. <laughs> now we're all really curious. But thank you, Sean. That was really, really beautifully put. I think two points of that you made about how the thing that it the thing we're upset about can be so minor but our reactions can be so similar to that and the big thing i think i think i find for me to practice with those minor things helps me to be less reactive about the big things in a negative way and what you talked about going to the body is so helpful so helpful i mean it teaches us too that it's not we're not going to be angry forever that this emotion passes and then maybe we can do something so thank you for your sharing and we got a couple more people kelby i think you were the next one that raised your hand <laughs> so i was the one who <laughs> made sean laugh so much i'm glad that you enjoyed it um so i'll just share i was talking about like politics like i feel like that's very common with a lot of us like the political situation is very enraging and I was comparing and contrasting how I used to feel about politics and how I do now. And like now I just don't care. I have no control. I still vote, but I'm just like, I will not have any control over this. So like, it's just is what it is. But then I was like thinking to myself, like, what would I, I know we're going to talk about hatred, like what really gets me angry. And I was like, the thing that makes me feel the same way that I used to feel about politics is when my food order gets is wrong. So <laughs> I know this week I like went to Panera while my cart was getting serviced and I got a Greek salad and the salad dressing was very obviously not a Greek vinaigrette. It was like sweet, like a sweet salad. Cannot deal. I was so was like, so disgusting. I spent $15 on this salad. I'm so angry, but I like, like, I was like, okay, it's fine. I was like, I'm really angry. I'm just going to eat what I'm going to eat. I was like, I can spend $15 on a salad. And that got me mad because I'm like, why is a salad $15 now because of inflation? Um, but again, it was very good practice because I was able to just be like, it's fine. Like, you're going to go home. You're going to make dinner. Like, your dinner will be very good. It's fine. So that was my big versus small hatred. And like, I really, really hate when my food order is wrong. <laughs> That is that is kind of kind of funny. <laughs> and 
And yet, but you know, it makes me think about how sometimes if we're in a place where there's something big to be upset about, so we're kind of upset anyway, it's sort of these small inconsequential things really get the focus because it's sort of, I don't know, safe to be angry about that. I'm not sure. It's so weird the way that our anger redirects itself and does weird things and comes out in strange positions. So thank you for thank you for sharing sharing that. I think we're all yeah, we all have strange stories about the things that irritate us way out of proportion and then the things we're afraid to admit we're angry about because it's too too much. Thinking. I'm glad, Kelby, that you were willing to tell us. Let's see. And Judith. Yeah, well, one thing that we talked about is how, and, and you kind of referred to this too in your talk about how how good it feels to vent anger for a little while. And one example I had was from, well, it was from many years ago when I threw a pitcher of grapefruit juice at my ex-husband. <laughs> it, it felt so good when I let it go. And then, of course, I had to clean it all up. And I had I recently had a similar tantrum I won't describe to you, but it but nobody was here to appreciate it. And I had another mess to clean up. And you know, it's like there's that moment where where you vent it that just feels like such a release. And then you're left with the results. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, usually I catch myself before I vent these days. Mm -hmm. uh, the ex-husband is long gone anyway. So, you know, but anyway, that, I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe you could comment on that phenomenon. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really, I think you make a very perceptive point about how it does feel so good in that moment of venting, but then you are left to clean up the mess. That's what's so kind of unfortunate about it. And, and two, I mean, it almost doesn't matter whether you really had something to actually be angry about you know a sort of a you had a reason to be angry or uh you might feel sort of justified in your outburst Always. it yeah. doesn't matter when it comes to the fact that the messes are to be cleaned up it still leaves them a, a mess and the funny thing is is that i don't even remember what i was angry about oh. <laughs> that is funny and I was totally justified, of course, that he totally. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a really that's a really helpful image for me to think of that fact that it feels so good, but then you're left with the mess to clean up on so many levels. On so many levels. Thank you so much, mm -hmm. and Claire. Well, the more we talk, the more. I'm confused because I don't equate hate with anger. 
so it's um it's it's really different for me like talking about anger is something talking about hate feels like um i don't know deeper and more chronic or something and when i think about an example for myself i think about like when i'm i'm hating being in a situation then what come like often what happens is hatred turns toward me like i hate that i'm reacting like this or i'm hate i hate that i'm feeling this way it's not necessarily anger though i don't get angry with myself for feeling bad i hate myself for feeling what you know whatever i don't know it's just an interesting thing for me hate and anger are different places mm -hmm. for me yeah i i would agree it's not exactly the same thing and well hate is a very big word too and so i think that sometimes we can have a feeling of an outburst of outburst of anger or annoyance in a situation where we would never use the word hate like when we get upset with a family member or something like that we don't feel we would not say we're feeling hate but that anger you know so like like and i think maybe as you were saying the anger might be feel like more like the uh emotion in the moment and the hate being more of a chronic feeling but there are so many there are many levels to this whole aversion continuum so that might be helpful to think about what these different words mean for us and then i'll let Anne go ahead and this is our last one because i need to get to the announcements and close on time Oh, could you, you're, you're not, you're uh, muted, and you're muted. Thank you. Sorry, I'll try to keep it brief and uh, uh, make it valuable since being the last one. Um, uh, Claire, I think you, uh, you brought up an interesting point, and what helps me sometimes is I think about the relationship between love and anger. I think they both involve moral judgment, uh, emotional uh, a perception of right and wrong, and a willingness to recognize uh, something of, of value. Um, and that happen, happens equally when we love something and when we get angry at something, we sense uh, a wrong or maybe something not being valued as it should be. I think what's dangerous about anger and into definitely hatred is the element of retribution, the desire to uh, destroy or cause suffering. Mm, thank you. Thank you. That's a very uh, clear analysis. And, and I agree with you that on some level, both of these, when there is a strong reaction, often there is a sense of deep caring about whatever it is that we're angry about or upset about. And yes, you know, really the, the biggest problem is when we get to that sense of destructiveness or wish to do harm because of those feelings. So thank you, Anne. That was a very succinct and helpful um, place to end. So let's sit for a few moments to close. Sharing the merit of our practice. 
maybe with someone special, maybe just in a general way with all those near to us and all those far. May all beings, whoever they are, share in the merit of our practice. May all of our hearts be at ease and may we be free from the pain of hatred and aversion. Thanks to all of you for being here. I mean, I have that this feeling in our discussion time. People had such good things to say that we could have gone on for a long time. <laughs> but we want to end in time. So thank you all, and really nice to have you here.